All right, uh, we're talking about the markets today, uh, and there's been a lot of prognostication for big institutions that we're going to tear into uh, with Enzio Von File, Wealth Investment Strategist. Good morning, Enzio. Morning, Andrew. Hey, great to have you back on the show, as always. And welcome to Winnie Wu, China Equity Strategist at B of A Securities. Hi, Winnie. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Uh, it seems like we've had everybody's, everybody's got something to say. The uh, head of the World Bank is going to get up and make some, uh, make some noise today. Well, maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow. Uh, but it's, it's, it's kind of weird. The news was all about something that happened in March. We released the notes from the U.S. Fed and, and getting a window into their thinking. Um, Enzio, what, what does their thinking back in March tell us about the future? Confusion. <laughs> They're confused? I think so. I, and I, rightly so, because it's whether do you have a credit crunch and, and really sort of stop the rot in this very unregulated mid-bank sector, or do you continue fighting inflation? I, as listeners know, have my own rather acerbic view on inflation, which is it's, it's the, the, fa- the inflation they're trying to fight is a little bit like throwing baseball bats at a rubber wall. It just doesn't work because a lot of this inflation is supply side driven. The weather, the war, things like that, the energy, we, we all know about these things, but you just can't use monetary policy against it. So, um, but it's, I think that's the big debate of a lot of people who stick with very old monetarist ideologies and then they um, try and apply them to today's changed structural um, realities, which are somewhat different. I mean, so should the Fed just give up then? And I mean, are they? Do you think? Do you think they're doing the right thing? And and what did we learn yesterday that might tell us about where they're going to go with their meeting in May? Well, I'll back up. I think that the right thing is that the credit crunch is going to actually help a lot on the. Um, the, the, the the private sector credit crunch will actually do the Fed's job for them. Um, because I feel that the private sector banks are looking at a slowdown. We just saw it also with American Airlines this morning that they're also worried about a slowdown in the U.S. They must have a reason for saying that. And so I think that the credit crunch will do a lot. I had perhaps incorrectly said that I saw Fed funds at 6%, but with the credit crunch now coming in, I suspect that the that the Fed funds will sort of stop at five and a quarter, five and a half, and that's it. At least they finally have turned just a smidgen positive. There's still basically zero percent real Fed funds rate, as I'm sure Winnie would agree. Yeah, Winnie, mm. what do you take? What do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, I generally agree. Uh, I think, you know, the, the only thing to add is uh, investors are also starting to look at what's the potential spread out to, to Asian financial system, you know, credit crunch, highly leveraged players, commercial real estate borrowers, whether there's any re, uh, uh, potential spread out of the credit events into to some of the Asian market. And on that, relatively speaking, China is probably one of the less impacted, given its, um, you know, its own strong focus on its own economy and very strong liquidity and, you know, no rate hike in the past years. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, when we had the finance, the, well, I call it the Atlantic financial crisis in 2008. I mean, Asia was fine. There, there was no problem with the banks and things over here. So we talk about contagion, but I mean, what, what is money supply like in China right now? I mean, they're not, they don't seem to be slowing down. Mm. Um, so, you know, if you look at headline credit growth, loan growth numbers, they are not 
too high, right? It's not in the crazy stimulus. We're looking at around 10%. TSF grows, loan grows. It's a modest recovery from last year, but it's been beating expectations, which typically has a strong uh, positive impact on the economy because in China, credit leads the GDP by 12 to 18 months. So with the strong momentum in credit growth, we should see continued improvement or positive impact on the economy. Enzio, you want to tackle uh, Chinese money supply or contagion? Take your pick. I think actually more than money supply, I just think that the economic time in China using my economic clock is characterized very broadly by an excess supply of money and a growing excess demand for goods. I mean, to be tempered, of course, by realities, whilst the U.S. is really in a bad position, excess demand for money. Remember that they began the quantitative tightening less than a year ago, the quantitative tightening and an excess supply of goods. In other words, less consumer sentiment, less jobs being created and all that. So... Um, I think that the if there's a contagion danger in China, not speaking Mandarin, it would be for me w- domestic within China of the local government financing problems. And that may have and then the government cracking down and telling a lot of the banks not to lend anymore. I think there's going to be a credit crunch perhaps in China itself by the banks. I don't know what Winnie, what Winnie feels. Um, so I think in general this year, monetary policy will be more on the neutral-ish side. Um, so it's not a big stimulus year because government is counting on you know the reopening, the pent-up demand, the consumption recovery to drive economy organically without the massive stimulus. So we're not going to see like 15% credit growth this year. But on the other side, I think it's very premature to start tightening already. So you know most of the banks we spoke to are expecting similar loan growth as last year. So we should be looking at like 10 to 12 percent of credit growth, loan so growth. No credit crunch. Inter- no credit crunch. Interesting. Useful. Useful. Yeah. I mean, I, I, there was this bizarre story that's, that's popped. I don't know if people are going to pick up on the story today, but a research center in Guizhou, an economic research center uh, as part of the, uh, the government there, um, post, put a post on social media saying that Guizhou was going to go was going to go belly up if they didn't get help from the central government. And then, I mean, I guess somebody's boss clued into this and got them to take it down in a hurry. Um, but I mean, uh, that's pretty unusual. Are there cracks in the system starting to show? Um, I think there's always the tension between central government and local government, right? There are so many local governments that, uh, and different layers of local government, right? You've got, you know, provincial, municipality, county, township, all kinds of government. Central government has no interest of bailing out every single debt crisis, right? In a way, central government almost want local government to be responsible if they did anything wrong, if they mismanaged their liabilities. So certain level of distress at local level is healthy, right, to prevent moral hazard. But on the other side, I think central government will be there to prevent any spread out or systematic risk, almost like the property market, right? Central government doesn't mind some of the private developer to get distressed and, you know, start to see deleveraging. But if it becomes a systematic risk, central government will be there, right, to ensure the financial stability, the social stability. Right. I mean, the, so, yeah. So, sorry, Enzio? No, no, I, I, I fully agree. I, I was taught back in Germany that you can look at history from many angles. One of them is the fight between centralization and decentralization. I think it's mm. a useful, in my mind at least, a useful paradigm to apply to China with the, with the increasing centralization. And I can understand a lot of it because somebody has to be in charge. Yeah. I mean, uh, one organization that was fairly bullish on China Uh-oh. compared to the rest of their, their outlook on the world was the IMF uh, earlier this week. And uh, they, they had, I mean, 
their otherwise fairly dismal report. Uh, they were quite keen on China, but I mean, their, their global outlook wasn't great. NGO, I know you've got some, some thoughts on that. Well, I, I, my problem with the IMF and the World Bank is that they're copycats. We accuse China of cheating. We'll try these organizations. They look at all of us private sector economists, say what we're, see what we're saying. They're basically conducting a constant survey. Then they come out and say, well, actually, this is, of course, what we thought all along. That's really helpful. So my view is, is very simple that the China economy is not as robust as some people perhaps are feeling. World trade is slowing. We know that the Baltic Dry Index is 75% below its peak some months ago. Domestic demand seems to be quite quite sort of weak. Otherwise, why would they keep on talking it up? I think it's great that they are, but still monetary policy, as Winnie was just saying, perhaps not exactly robust. It's still there. It's just at least on the side. Fiscal policy is looking threadbare because of the local government financing issues. And then the SOE developers are expected to haul everybody out of the ditch by, by developing more properties. Well, how many more properties can you develop and jobs can you create? So um, I think that whilst the economic time in China is better than America's, it's not all love and kisses either. Hmm. Winnie? Um, I think so far the whole world, right, especially the equity market, is watching China's data point very closely. And a lot of investors are doing trips in China. And, uh, you know, in Chinese old saying proverb, there's this story about blind people, blind men touching the elephant, mm. and different people put the touch a different part and uh, f f have very different impression of what an elephant looks like, right? You touch the tail, you feel elephant is like a rope. You touch the, the, the trunk and feel elephant is like a pillar. So now is the situation we're hearing very different feedback on this whole consumption recovery, economic recovery, depending on which part of China where you've been and uh, you know which companies you're looking to. So I agree that it's not a, a very clear story or easy recovery as market earlier expected potentially in January. But uh, I wouldn't be overly bearish as well because there are some, you know, early signs of uh, continued improvement rather than, you know, uh, momentum fading away in March, April, right? Because January, February, clearly there was the pent up demand. Credit growth was strong, partly because of, you know, banks were trying to do the jumpstart sales. But the positive thing is that in March, April, from the banking side, channel checks, it shows that demand is continued to improve rather than fading away. Um, and also we saw some local media, Caixin media reported like EU the, the, the wholesale market, which a lot of uh, export focused, EU market actually gets busier in March uh, than in January, February. So now the daily truck traffic in EU is double the level in February. So there are some positive signs as well, but we need to see whether those, you know, green shoots improvement is going to be sustainable or is that just a temporary will fade away? Just one little thing that I want to add to, to Winnie's erudite points, which is that many people say, well, China's growth is slowing. Well, of course, it's slowing a little bit because the pace has got a lot bigger. Yeah. So you have it's it's tougher to grow 10 percent if the base is five trillion or whatever it is now yeah. versus two trillion. It's just it doesn't work mathematically. Um, so I, I fully agree with her. There's another Japanese saying just for a little bit of humor that the blind are not scared of snakes <laughs> mm. or okay. elephants, perhaps. Ha, 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 ha.
So, I mean, this, this point you make about the, uh, the base effect is, is, is interesting because, mm. I mean, people have been talking about this, these new 5% uh, mm. growth oh, no. rate. Is, is this the new normal for China then? Are the days of 7.8 done? It just can't be done anymore? Like, like most Western economies, if they have a year of 2% growth, they're very happy with that. Uh, is, is 5% to 6% the new Chinese normal? Uh, I would say that it's probably three to five percent yeah. is the new norm for sustainable, sustained level. I mean, in fact, if you look at the East Asian growth model, starting from Japan, then like the Korea, Taiwanese, uh, the different more, the East Asian model generally stage one, when it was driven by, uh, export manufacturing, all this market achieved like eight to 10 percent sustained growth for decades, right? 20, 30 years. But this export oriented growth will come to a bottleneck inevitably, be it currency, labor costs, or whatever. And then they need to move on to be more, you know, technology-driven, uh, consumption-driven, services-driven. And that is the time the GDP growth start to gap down to something like 3 to 5%. So that's Japan after 1980, right? After, uh, sorry, after 1972, the oil crisis. That's Korea, Taiwan, after the global, uh, the Asian financial crisis in 1998. So I think China, given the already high base effect given you know the demographic challenges there's no more demographic bonus and also transition to service economy means productivity gain is much harder i do think china's sustainable growth if china can sustain at three to five percent for a few more decades that would be fantastic actually but i mean but china's tracking from, sorry china's tracking what 12 13,000 us dollars ahead per you know gdp per capita is it i mean it's, it's a long way behind some of those other countries that you've cited in terms of where they seem to have kind of started to plateau. Uh, true, but this is simply because China is a massive country with a lot of rural area, right? The income dispersion is very different. So if you look at the large cities like Beijing, Shanghai, they're already almost as developed as, you know, Hong Kong. But unfortunately, rural area is dragging behind. So if you look at this average income level, unfortunately, this is the reality China has to deal with. It's almost like two countries in one. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah, I, I do want to take a little bit of time today to look at some of the other uh, markets. Warren Buffett has been oh. uh, making no making a lot of noise about investing in, in the the, uh, the big five Japanese uh, trading houses: uh, Mitsubishi, Mitsu, Itochu, Marubeni, and Sumitomo. Uh, super keen on Japan. He's going to fly over there just to show how keen he is on the Sogu Shoshas. Uh, what's going on? Do you, Enzio, do you think it's time to have a closer look at Japan? But, uh, yes, having covered it many, many decades ago, Grandpa talking here again, <laughs> there's a, a pearl of wisdom from Warren Buffett that is maybe useful to our listeners, which he said some time ago, the stock market is a device by which money is transferred from the impatient to the patient. And I think that's quite a wise saying. In other words, in all of us who sort of want to go in and out, in and out, and all this kind of stuff, I think Japan's time is going to very gingerly improve. When I was doing Japan, I was always told after a round of tooth sucking by the officials mm -hmm. that it takes time. Well, Japan will always be the same. It will always take time. They don't have the, the Chinese impatience to get things moving. And um, I'm afraid that that will continue. The valuations are nice and low. Um, it is also, but I think this is the big one that's perhaps not reported as much. It is going to be America's big ally in Asia. And I think that's, that's, that will probably give it a bit of a more national pride, more of a bit of a boost or just psychologically in Japan itself. So am I a bull on Japan? No, am I, I'm much more for China than Japan by, oh. by a long shot. 
but um, yes. There it is. All right. Well, Sorry. thank you very much. A strong, a strong finish uh, with on Japan by from Enzio von File, wealth investment strategist. Uh, also had on the show today and greatly enjoyed the erudite Winnie Wu, China equity strategist, V of A Securities. 